Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Hey, it's the Kentucky Guy, and thank you so much for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. Here at Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast, we talk about past, present, and future wrestlers and promotions. So yeah, I'm so glad that you've joined us. As for myself, I've been watching wrestling off and on for over 25 years, and I find much enjoyment into it. I have a whole lot of knowledge, and uh, you know, I kind of... I kind of see where some things can be changed and some things are great, right? But anyways, once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And be sure to click subscribe or follow no matter where you're listening to us from. We're on all platforms, Spotify, Google, Apple, Comcast, uh, Amazon Music, and it goes on and on. So check us out here at Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. And welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. Hey, I'm your host, everybody. I hope everybody's having a fantastic Friday evening here in the great state of Kentucky. Uh, And I hope everybody, no matter where you're at, that you're having a wonderful day. Uh, I am the Kentucky Guy, your host here. And uh, so, in our wrestling world pro wrestling so many things happening so many things being said uh if you love pro wrestling or you know anything about pro wrestling uh or you or you're new here uh this this uh this podcast we talk about the past present and future promotions and superstars so uh let's get into the wrestling news uh this beautiful friday in july so uh yeah before we go we before we get into this uh we do drop new episodes here every monday and friday also for you uh current news nuts i do host another show over on the red pill 
Current News Podcast, and we drop new episodes there every Wednesday and Saturday. Actually, if you haven't had a chance to listen to yesterday's episode, I actually uploaded two different episodes yesterday uh, due to one of uh, the subjects needing a uh, episode all to themselves. Yeah. All right, so let's get started here. Uh, let's start off with the uh, the WWE. Let's do that first. So let's see here, WWE news. Uh, oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I read about this yesterday. Uh, Raw uh, TV fourteen rating on US Network is not finalized. The program has been, as we all know, uh, is P- currently on WWE Raw is PG rated. Uh, and has been since 2008. But the PG era of WWE may be coming to an end. Andrew Zaron of the Matt Men podcast initially uh, reported on Thursday that Raw will be moving from TV PG rating to TV 14, beginning with next Monday's episode. Zaron updated his report later, with new information. There was a memo within USA Network that went out this morning. And this was this was this morning. Actually this morning, Friday. Uh that went out that went out this morning regarding this is a quote uh by the author, by the way, who we just gave credit to, Andrew Zaran. Uh, there was a memo within USA Network that went out this morning regarding WWE Raw changing to TV 14 on July 18th. Apparently, that was sent out prematurely, and the day was not finalized, Zarin tweeted. This is a wild situation. There's a lot happening behind the scenes. WWE Raw won't be going on, won't, will, will not be going to TV 14 on July 18th, but still, in consideration for a later date, Zeron wrote. Hmm. So went and uh, did a little did a little digging, and here's what I found. Uh, so Raw first moved from uh, TV PG to TV 14 ratings in the ni- in the ni- uh, 1997. Actually, the program then shifted back to TV PG. Uh, beginning, and it was actually in July of 2008, so same month. Uh, SmackDown has been TVBG since the first episode aired in 1999. The TV parent parental guidelines describe a TV 14 program as one that contains some material that may that many parents would find unsuitable for children under the age of 14 years old, while a TV PG rating is given for a program that contains material that parents may uh, th- that may allow children under the age of 14 uh, watch. So I don't know. Um, Monday's edition of WWE Raw will take place uh, from the uh, Anaheim uh, Arena in Tampa, Florida. It's going to be interesting to see uh, really what happens because uh, I don't know, man. I mean. Does this mean they're going to go back to the attitude error? Are we going to start seeing blood again on television? Or or, or do they feel they need to do this uh, because uh, uh, the woke generation, you know? I mean, uh, 
so just covering you know covering their backs i i don't know i i guess we'll have to wait and find out and trust me when i find out you'll find out uh actually some good news though on on monday's episode of raw uh the raw ratings rebound from the fourth of july uh raw averaged uh 1.71 million viewers on monday and drew a uh, 0.44 rating in the key demo. Monday night's WWE uh, Raw. Uh, <laughs> but it came lower than the prior weeks where Vince McMahon and John Cena had boosted the audience. Of course. To deliver a number that uh, probably reflects what a normal show would do right now for Raw. Are the numbers I just read. Uh, Monday night's average, as I mentioned, was... Uh, was 1.71 million uh see it was uh it was first by a wide margin for the night on cable oh okay it was the first by a wide margin uh for uh for night on cable so they came in number one okay there we go uh as well as first in every demo uh including beating below deck in women uh, 18 to 49, uh, 18 to 34, and men, it doubled every show on cable except Mr. and Mrs. Miz. Raw also beat, on Monday, three of the four major networks uh, in ages 18 to 49 and 18 to 34, losing only to The Bachelorette on ABC. It also lost to one Spanish-language show, <laughs> Universe Univision. Uh, Raw was ninth in total viewers on cable behind eight shows. The show started lower than expected the first hour, but had a very, very strong growth uh, in hour two. So there was a full, let's see if I can see what, I remember the fourth was very low. Okay, so there was a 9% uh increase uh wow okay there's a nine percent increase uh from july 4th uh raw raw uh, rem- uh wwe raw remains well up, up from last year at this time uh where it was doing uh some of the lowest numbers yeah AC- aew is still kind of new there and even though they're not on monday nights though um uh, was doing some of the lowest numbers in its history Last night showed up was 6% in viewers uh, over one year. Wow. Up 3% uh, in 18 through uh, 49 and up 11% 18 to 34. Factoring in the drop of a cable of cable homes, the realistic growth would be 13% in viewers and 10%. The positive is that the show held the audience so people were interested in sticking through three hours uh, with Bobby Lashley and Riddle teaming up together versus Theory, uh, versus Theory and who did he? Uh, Seth Rollins, yeah, Seth Rollins. So, hmm. In fact, uh, people eighteen to forty-nine, the first hour was low, was the lowest rather than the highest. Women eighteen to forty-nine grew thirteen percent from the first hour to the third. Men, 18 through 49, fell just 2%, while females, 12 to 34, grew 30%, and males, 
12 through 34 grew 4 uh, percent. People over 50 uh, dropped dropped 8 percent from hour one to hour three. Well, yeah, they went to bed. <laughs> uh, let's see with the with the stronger th- and you know that's kind of amazing too, right? That uh that Raw had these numbers uh, for all three hours and and the reason why I say that. It's amazing, too, that AEW does as well. And I'm just going to be honest with you. With the technology that we have today, like if I used to, it would drive me absolutely insane if I missed an episode of Raw or SmackDown. Now, if something comes up or that, it doesn't bother me so much because I know I can catch the repeat, you know? I mean, you can catch it on, uh, if you can't catch it on your local provider, it's on Hulu, uh, it's on uh, YouTube. Somebody's always posting the episode. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't bother me anymore. So I don't know. Uh, so them are strong numbers considering, you know, today's, uh, this day and time, I should say, uh, in the wrestling world with, uh, all the advanced equipment that we have. Uh, I don't know with the stronger third hour of raw, uh, Ms. 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 Mr. And Mrs. What a weird name. Did, uh, did get great numbers with 669,000 viewers. I bet you they got more than the uh, fake committee on January 6th. And 0.20 and 18 through 49, similar to what it did a few weeks ago, following the Monster Raw numbers. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Miz uh, placed seventh for the night on cable and easily won its time slot over second place, Gutfield, on Fox News, who has, by the way, taken over Stephen Cabrera and everybody. Uh, he has really done very well. Um, it was up 39% in viewers and 43% in 18 through 49 from July 4th. So I went and I was like, man, you know, they keep talking about how, uh, how it went up. Uh, I watched it. Um, why did it go up so much? You know, did it go like, did they really hang on to that many people in the third hour? Uh, so I went and looked and I found the ratings and here's the three hours and 8 p.m. Pretty pretty phenomenal. At 8 p.m. when the show started, it was 1.72 million viewers, right? Then at 9 p.m., they hung right in there and went up to 1.80 million viewers. And then the third hour, right, uh, they ended up with 1.69 million viewers. I mean, that's phenomenal, right? So so my, my thing on uh, Raw is um, I thought there were some decent matches on there. But uh, uh, nothing really exciting uh, to me. Uh, I mean, maybe Brock Lesnar coming out there and uh, taking out the Alpha Academy and, uh, you know, this beast F5-ing uh, big, big guy Otis uh, through the table was pretty amazing. But uh, I don't know. And, and the Riddle match and, and Rollins, uh, that was a decent match. But, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's – I don't know. I mean, I I don't know what was so special from July 4th. Maybe a lot of people uh, went out to watch fireworks and that on July 4th, and they're trying to catch up. I, I, I really don't know. A mystery. I mean, like I said, it was some decent matches, but it was nothing special. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. All right, so let's move on. Uh, WWE's Big E will be at peace. This is This is bad, him saying this anyways out loud will be at peace if he can't wrestle again. 
Big E is taking a wait-and-see approach in regards to a potential in-ring return. Hmm, I don't like the sound of that. During an interview with TMZ Sports, Big E opened up about his potential in-ring future. Now, as we all know, we've talked about on this show, Big E suffered a broken neck during a tag team match on March 11th of this year uh, on SmackDown while taking an overhead belly-to-belly suplex at ringside from Ridge Holland. The spot went wrong, and Big E landed on his head, fracturing his C1 vertebrae and C6 vertebrae. So, by the way, before I move any further, something else that I found out, um, it wasn't in this report, but I did find out that uh, uh, Rich Holland has, has, like, said he's sorry to Big E like so many times like the guy's generally sorry that this ever had like that this happened and, and I mean that's that's pretty cool he's a young superstar uh Rich is and uh I, I mean and Big E even said he went and uh he received a full case of like red meat <laughs> and meat's high and going to get higher folks uh but he received a full case uh with an, another apology uh from uh from Rick from Ridge Holland. So Ridge, uh, uh, yeah, man, that's pretty cool. I mean, it is. I mean, it stinks that you know you, you're real new to Raw and you you actually just coming back to the WWE. Uh, it, yeah, it's sad that you had to be involved in something like that. But you know, we love this sport, and if you've been watching this sport as long as I have, uh, that stuff can happen fast. People's careers, and I remember, I'll never forget. I'll never forget, uh, I was watch- on satellite. That's how long ago this was. Prime, Prime Satellite, Prime Star Satellite. Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, <laughs> I was young, but uh, I was, I was just got married. And uh, I was sitting there, and I'm watching me and my brother-in-law. Uh, we're sitting there watching uh, a pay-per-view, WWF or WWE pay-per-view. Uh, on Prime Star Satellite, I remember it, it cost me like fifty bucks. Like we split it, and we're sitting there and we're waiting for a match. The screen goes black. The screen comes back on. About five minutes later, we thought something was wrong with the uh, with the uh, satellite until a, 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 error, a message come across the screen uh, said technical difficulty. So we knew it was on their end. The screen pops back on with good old JR sitting there informing us that the Blue Blazer, a.k.a. Owen Hart, has fell to his death coming to the ring for a match uh, as the Blue Blazer. I'll never forget that, man. That shocked me. And I was sitting there, and I'm thinking, you know, is this a lie? You know, I mean, is this true? And uh, oh no, it was true. I mean, they they had super. You could tell superstars were were breaking down and crying and trying to get through. I mean, you know, so you know, rest in peace, Owen Hart. That, but I'll never forget that ever. Uh, so yeah, things can definitely change, uh, in, in really quick, uh, in anything. It's not just the sport of wrestling, but in, in anything, you know, anything. Uh, life, life. You're here one day and you're gone tomorrow. It's just how it is. Uh, so Big E tweeted an update earlier this month 
Nothing, nothing that his C1 vertebrae still isn't forming bone quite yet. Big E said the plan is for him to get more scans at the one-year mark and see how things are progressing. Despite that, Big E wrote that the great news is he's feeling tremendous and the uh, surgery is off the table as an option. Big E did tell uh, TMZ Sports uh, that he is doing really well and is able to live live his life pretty normal. Quote by Big E. I'm doing really well, Big E said. I can live life pretty much normally, but my neck, uh, not in a position where I can, where I should be ramming my head against other things and movable objects right now. So wrestling doesn't make sense right now. So I have to wait uh, for that to ossify, to form a bone, and to heal. But man, I feel great. I don't have any nerve issues. Don't have any weaknesses. Don't have any uh, uh, autonomy. I got real lucky. You were blessed, sir. It was not luck. You were blessed. Um, I got real lucky because it could have uh, been a lot worse. Yeah, you were blessed, man. It could have been a whole lot. You could have. Most people that break their neck, they die. They don't survive. So, yeah, it could have been a lot worse. When asked if he thinks he'll be uh, able to get back into the ring, Big E said they're taking a wait and see approach. Quote. It seems like it's one of those wait-and-see things. It's one of those things where initially when I talked to the doctor, Joseph Maroon, uh, who's, been, who's been great, really great, in Pittsburgh, and he suggested, hey, look, uh, let's look at, it, at this thing in a year. And that's after looking at my last set of scans. So I really can't say. I don't know whether I'll be back in March and 100% or if they'll look at it and say, hey, maybe you should be doing something else uh, with the rest of your life. For me, right now, March of next year is very far off. So I don't want to spend a lot of time worrying or stressing about that. I'm just kind of living my life, Biggie said. Quote, uh, I've been with this company for 13 years. Okay, let's see. I've been with this company for 13 years. That means a lot of sa- uh, Saturdays and Sundays uh, in, in Poughkeepsie and Kalamazoo and most random towns. But now I get to live my life a little bit and see some friends. I'm enjoying just being a human. So that's pretty cool. So good for you. I'm glad you're looking at it the right way, uh, Big E. Tim Z Sports asks Big E if uh, he'd be content. This is the part that I like. Uh, if he'd be content if he were never to be able to wrestle again. Yeah, I think so. Honestly, my philosophy as a human being is learning to be content with whatever life brings you. That's a great way to live. I'm so grateful not to be in a wheelchair, but if I was, I would have to adjust to life in a wheelchair. That's just how I am programmed. If I spend hours or days or weeks kind of mourning where I am at lo- in life, and life not being what I want it to be, that doesn't serve me, the uh, Big E said. Uh, quote, worrying about it and stressing about it only hurts me. It's not useful. I think I'll be at, a, at peace with whatever happens. Whether I can wrestle again, I'll be at peace with that. If I can't wrestle again, so be it. My limbs work. I get to do this. Moves, moves his finger. 
It could have been very different for me. There's a lot of life to live regardless. It was announced yesterday that Big E will be helping out, and this was yesterday on Thursday, that Big E will be helping out uh, WWE's talent tryouts in Nashville, Tennessee, during SummerSlam weekend later this month. Uh, the invite-only tryouts is exclusively for current and recently uh, graduate college uh, athletes. A little bit more on that. Um, I went and checked that out in Nashville because you guys know I'm in eastern Kentucky uh, just to see. And, uh, yeah, that's a pretty cool program that they're doing. What they're doing is they're doing it for, uh, and you got to be, you got to have your diploma uh, uh, for college graduates um, who played sports in college that are thinking about stepping into the WWE uh, or professional wrestling. Uh, Triple H is going to be there. Uh, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, and I think uh, I think that's good. You know, WWE has done a lot of that over the years. They don't get the credit they should, but they do do a lot of different things for. Uh, for you know, for our kids and for Make a Wish and, and and so forth. So, okay, so let's uh let's move on down the line here. Uh, let's move into Ric Flair's last match. I'm going to give you an update on that. It looks like that uh, Ricky and his son Kerry Morton uh, will be representing the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, they'll be accompanied by uh, Marty uh, Marty no by Robert Gibson. <laughs> And they will face the Four Horsemen. This is at the Stam, uh, Stamcast, Ric Flair's final match, the 31st of uh, this month. Uh, still, by the way, I'm going to go ahead and give you a heads up. Still, 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 uh, no announcement on Ric Flair's opponent or opponents. But this blows my theory out of the water because I thought he was going to team up with these guys. Uh, anyways, uh, they will fight uh, a tag team representing the Four Horsemen of Brock Anderson, uh, who is uh, Arn Anderson's son, and Brian Pillman, who and you, uh, Junior, and he was Brian Pillman's son, who was part of the Four Horsemen. Uh, <laughs> so they announced that the father and son team, uh, with Robert Gibson in their corner, representing Rock and Roll Express, will face uh, the two with Arn Anderson in their corner. Uh, the latter team will be representing the Four Horsemen. I just said that. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. The show will take place at the Nashville Municipal Auditorium. Uh, has representation from a number of different promotions, including Impact Wrestling, which uh, the Impact World Championship uh, will be defended. We talked about that uh, a couple shows ago. Uh, MLW, Triple uh, A Wrestling, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Jim Crockett Promotions. Uh, presents Ric Flair's last match, Sunday, July 31st. And the match card. Uh, <laughs> I'll go over to real quick again. I just went over this um, and picked winners on it on a previous episode. I will go over it because I think it's kind of funny how it starts off. So anyways, uh, yeah, so the, fir- uh, the first match listed on the card, Ric Flair's last match, match to be announced. <laughs> We're, what are, it's the 16th day or 15th day of July. I mean, and they're still not announced who his opponent is. I, I just don't, I, I don't understand. Uh, uh, Impact uh, World Championship title defense, uh, Josh Alexander uh, will go against uh, Jacob Fatu. Uh, Impact Knockouts Championship, the champion Jordan Grace will defend against uh, Diona Perez and Rachel... Uh, a leering in a three-way dance. 
uh, Ricky and uh, his son, Kerry Morton, against the uh, Rock and Roll Express versus the Four Horsemen. We just talked about that. Uh, Ray Phoenix versus the Laredo Kid versus uh, Tarus versus Bandito. That should be a good match. Uh, the Wolves, I still don't understand it because uh, they represent two different parts of Impact Wrestling. Um, anyways, the Wolves, Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards versus the Motor City Machine Gun, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban. That doesn't make sense anymore, and I'll explain here uh, when we get to Impact. Uh, Killer Cross with Scarlett, uh, uh, his old lady, uh, versus Davey Boy Smith Jr. and Clark. Connors versus Wren, uh, something. I don't know who that is. Uh, so I think the only the only match I haven't predicted on this was the uh, Four Horsemen versus the Rock and Roll Express, and I'm going to say the Four Horsemen win that match. Yeah. And here, here's what I don't understand. They didn't mention AEW uh, in in the uh, in the promotions that are are being a part of this. Um, Brian Pillman Jr. is under AEW contract he's on the roster he was just on the show uh uh this week on dynamite i i don't uh i don't understand that i don't understand um yeah okay so i wanted to throw that in there uh because we've been talking about it and as soon as i find out who his opponent is rick flair's that is i will let you all know I mean, I, I have no idea uh, who the guy is. But Sasha Banks, right? Uh, she is set. Uh, she's, a, she's set for an appearance announced for the C2E2 convention. Banks has not appeared on WWE uh, since walking out on May 16th edition of Raw. Sasha Banks' first public appearance since walking out uh, has been announced. The Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo revealed on Wednesday that Banks is scheduled to appear at its next month, at its event next month. Uh, Banks will be available for photo ops and autographs at the show on Saturday, August 6th and Sunday, August 7th. Quote, please join us in welcoming our new C2E2 guest, Mercedes uh, Bernardo, Sasha Banks, uh, whether you've seen her in the ring or as... uh, Koshka Reeves and the uh, Mandalorian. Uh, you are not going to want to miss out on this photo and uh, autograph opportunity. Uh, C2E2 actually wrote on, uh, wrote on Twitter. So other personalities from wrestling, uh, if you look into this, that's going to this, uh, Trish Stratus is, uh, usually goes, she's going to be there. She usually goes. Uh, Mick Foley, always there. Uh, he's going to be there. And uh, even... Um, uh, the gay, the girl that, uh, uh, you know, she cheated on Matt Hardy with Edge uh, in real life, and then they made it on TV's uh, Lita, Lita. So yeah, so uh, <laughs> so anyways, uh, after looking into seeing what's going on with these two, because uh, uh, I really don't understand, because I know they've been moved off in the Eternal roster now, but I just don't quite. Um, know what's going on with these two uh it was reported last week that both banks and uh naomi have been removed from wwe's internal active roster listing uh neither has officially released has been officially released from the company however it is also reported last month 
that Banks' lawyers were involved and actively seeking to obtain her release from WWE. That's a new part that uh, I wanted to read to you because I had not heard that uh, until uh, the other day, and then I wanted to find it in writing and make sure. Sometimes when I hear stuff, I don't just want to repeat it unless I know it's out there, like in writing and it happened and blah, blah, blah. So anyways, uh, so good luck, uh, Sasha Banks. I'm going to say this one time. I know you guys are getting tired of hearing it, but uh, yeah, Tony Khan, you have a lot of wrestlers. You have too many wrestlers. You need Sasha Banks, bro. She's a star. Just saying, you do. All right, let's move on. Speaking of Tony Khan, let's move on to AEW. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland are crowned AEW World Tag Team Champions. Swerve in our glory won the AEW Tag Titles on night one of Fighter Fest. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see it coming. I did not see it coming. Uh, what they they actually uh, they were in a three um, three three person or three way. Uh, tag team title match um <laughs> and uh with the uh young bucks uh, versus the young bucks the champions at that time who uh already lost the belt it doesn't seem like they've had it that long uh and powerhouse hobbs and ricky starks right it was like a three-way dance tag team for the titles uh strickland pin starks after a swerve stomp to secure the victory ending the second tag team title reigns of the Young Buck. Uh, the title victory is the first in AEW for both Lee and Strickland. Lee joined the promotion in February, debuting on February 9th on Dynamite with a win over uh, Isha, Aisha, Isaiah, sorry, Isaiah Cassidy. Uh, Strickland's signing was announced uh, at the Revolution pay-per-view on March 6th with his first AEW bout taking place on that week's Rampage episode. So the Young Bucks, it looks like, uh, their title reign ends after, uh, it was yeah, 28 days and zero successful defenses. This was their first defense. Uh, Swerve and Our Glory had previously challenged for the tag team titles at Double or Nothing in May in a match also involving uh, Starks and Hobbs uh, as then as well as then-champions Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. So, yeah, uh, that's, uh, you know, that kind of that kind of shocks me a little bit, right? Uh, me, anyways. Uh, Matt Jackson, it looks like, he suffered a stinger during the, uh, during the tag title match. Um, hmm, okay, on Dynamite. The Young Bucks dropped the titles. Uh... Let's see here. Sorry. Uh, it looks like Jackson was hurt. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't notice that. Jackson was hurt in the opening minutes of the match. Uh, about, I don't know, three or four minutes into the match, Matt Jackson gets a stinger. Huh. According to Matt Jackson. Uh, this is one of those things where people talk about toning down uh, because there were, are so many injuries. But, dude, I'm telling you, 80% of these injuries 
are on things that nobody should ever get hurt on doing and what he got hurt on was keith lee and hobbs giving him a basic vertical suplex and just when he fell you could see it immediately he hit his butt first and then his head snapped back and he grabbed his neck wow uh from that point forward i didn't know i'm gonna have to go back and watch that uh, at that point forward uh he was being super careful he was being super careful on his bumps for the most part, everybody was being super careful with everything that did they did to him. I think he took one double-team powerbomb from Keith and Swerve near the end, but other than that, you could just see everyone's working around him, and they still had this great match. That's what makes great wrestlers. The Young Bucks, I don't care if they lost the match. They're one of the greatest tag teams there are in the world right now, in my opinion. That's me talking, the Kentucky guy. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dave Metzer looks like he also noted that Matt Hardy has a history of neck problems. The thing with Matt, though, is Matt has had neck issues just from the wear and tear, uh, Metzer said. It's one of those things where you get hurt on a basic move where, where it's because you've been doing so much stuff. He probably worked a very bumpy, heavy style for 18 years, 17 years, however many years it's been. It's been a lot of years. I think we've seen that with a lot of the injuries, they are on basic stuff, but they are on body parts that are very worn out. Huh. Yeah, so I might have to go back and watch that match. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't catch it. I don't know how. I don't usually catch that kind of stuff, but I didn't see that. Um, now, Matt was down. Matt's had a lot. Matt Jackson has had a... If you followed his their career like I have when they're back in New Japan and that, he's had a lot of neck issues. I mean, a lot of neck issues. Uh, I, even when at one time they were at odds with uh, Kenny Omega and uh, his partner at that time, uh, I can't remember what they were called, the, the Blonde Lovers or something like that. Uh, when he first turned on them, uh, he went after Matt's neck and felt bad about it. So, yeah. I don't know, uh, but this fighter, this you know, they work a light, a lot lighter schedule in AEW than they do in eight and then WWE. But man, the injury bug has bit both promotions. Yeah. I mean, we talk about it. It seems like every episode now, but it's true. I mean, it seems like somebody's getting injured. Uh, anyways, uh, Brody King versus uh, Darby Allen set for next for the next AEW Dynamite. Uh, Christian Cage and uh, Luchasaurus uh, set for next week as well against the Varsity Blondes. Um, and this is all for the second week of the Fighter Fest. Uh, Brody King will take on uh, on Darby Allen, born, born out of the recent Royal Rampage match where King put Allen to sleep and dropped him to the outside of the ring to win and earn a AEW interim world title shot, which he blew. Uh, let's see, at an autograph session, yeah, this is the kind of stuff you guys like. At an autograph session this past Saturday in Seattle, uh, Brody King attacked Darby Allen and powerbombed him through a table before the event even began. And then, as I mentioned, in a tag team match, Christian Cage and Luchasaurus, his new disciple, uh, will face the Varsity Blondes. Uh, Luchasaurus, he did have a match with um, uh, Griff 
Griff Garrison uh, on Dynamite. And uh, at the uh, at Cage's order, he attacked Brian Pillman uh, afterwards and powerbombed him uh, <laughs> and Garrison uh, through a table at ringside twice because it didn't break the first time. <laughs> if you haven't had a chance, that was a dominant match. I mean, that, that was pretty much a... a, a it, it was a wash, you know what I mean? Uh, he, he dominated it. Uh, the two matches joined the previously announced main event, uh, which we'll see Chris Jericho readopted as the Painmaker persona to take on rival Eddie Kingston in a bar, barbed wire uh, death match. Now, I am looking forward to that match, and I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about... about what Jericho had to say. I, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, so anyways, let's go over. Here's the current lineup uh, for the second week. Uh, this week, actually, in, in two days. Or no, next week. Sorry. I was thinking today was Monday. Uh, next week, uh, the second week of Fighter Fest, right? Uh, King Eddie Kingston versus Jericho, uh, who will be the pain maker. Uh, barbed wire deathmatch. Luchasaurus and Christian Cage versus Vashti Blondes. Uh, Brody King versus uh, Darby Allen. So that's the lineup so far. You guys know how that works. Uh, they may uh, change it again. Uh, they may add, you know, they're going to add matches to it, right? So uh, AEW is pretty good about keeping what they say uh, going to happen. Sometimes, though, life happens, right? Especially with all these uh, energy-prone, injury-prone things happening. Anyways, let's move on. AEW announces their all-out pay-per-view for September. The Now Arena in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, uh, will gain the host of all-out AEW wrestling. So they are returning to Chicago. Uh, the promotion officially announced the all-out pay-per-view for Sunday, September 4th, during the uh, week's Firefest edition of Dynamite last week. Uh, the Now Arena, the NOW Arena in Hoffman Estates, uh, Illinois, will again host the show. Additionally, the building will also host Dynamite and Rampage in the days leading up to All Out. With Dynamite set for Wednesday, August 31st, and Rampage Friday, September 2nd. Tickets for all three shows will go on sale today. Today, Friday. Uh <laughs> A uh, banner in the arena rafters advertising September 4th date was shown while the announcement was made during uh, Dynamite. The NOW Arena was formerly known as the Sears Center and hosted the 2021 and 2019 editions of All Out, as well as the 2018 All In uh, pay-per-view show. The 2020 All Out event was held at Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, due to the uh, pandemic, the the COVID nineteen, so so and I thought that they had a very good first week of Fighter Fest. I really did. Uh, some of the results, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know they 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 started off uh, with the uh, Orange Cassidy challenging uh, uh, the TN for the TNT uh, title uh, against uh, Warlow. Yeah, so it comes on. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, 
Orange Cassidy is kind of standing there, and Chuck and Trent, the best friends, uh, they put a promo in there, uh, revealing that you know, saying they finally got a manager's license, uh, and uh, they're going to uh, uh, they're going to cheat. He's going to win the title either way. They're even if they have to cheat, they're going to cheat. He's going to win. And, and, and Orange Cassidy's like, whatever, you know. <laughs> I love him, man. Uh, but this was a decent match. So right at the bell. Orange Cassidy did his uh, hands in the pocket uh, thing that he does. And uh, so Warlow straight up tore the pockets out of his jeans. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Uh, Warlow fired up and pulled the straps down. So naturally, being uh, Orange Cassidy, uh, he mocked him by pulling uh, them back up. He went right over to Warlow and pulled his uh, straps to his tights right back up. Uh, the best friends tried to cheat with some wacky shenanigans, including producing a chainsaw at ringside. And that, I don't think that was a real chainsaw. It looked like a chainsaw, but it looked like a toy chainsaw to me. Uh, but they weren't any good at it at all, and they got ejected right away. <laughs> so Wardlow, uh, he intercepted an, an orange punch, uh, and he caught the um, and he caught a top suicida, uh, but he couldn't. Uh, he couldn't corral Orange enough to land a big move. Warlow somehow sent uh, Dan Housen under the ring and pulled him out. <laughs> Dan Housen teased a curse but thought the better of it. But the distraction was enough for uh, Orange Cassidy uh, to hit an orange punch. So they went back in the ring. Uh, Warlow, this was a great match if you haven't had a chance to watch it. Uh, Warlow recovered. To take out uh, Orange with a overhead belly-to-belly suplex. After commercial, Orange started a comeback by chop-blocking Warlow's knee. That was pretty amazing how he done that. Uh, he wanted the uh, beach break, but Warlow was way too strong. Uh, Orange reversed a power bomb into a DDT. That was great how he done that. And hit a uh, spinning one to follow it up. Yep, that was awesome too. But it only sent uh, Warlow down for one count. Yeah, and you should have seen, uh, if you haven't had a chance yet, uh, Orange Cassidy's face when Orlo kicked out at one. It was wow. <laughs> so uh, Orlo avoided the orange punch and hit the F10, but Orange Cassidy was the first person in AEW history to kick out of it. Orlo then called for the Powerbomb Symphony. Orange eventually fought out of it with a Hearn Karana and landed a top suicida. He sent Orlo into the ring post and brought him back into the ring. The diving DDT from the orange, orange Cassidy, uh, was caught by Warlo. He, he put, he put Cassidy, uh, up, uh, recovered to hit the stunner. I thought he might've, it might've been over then the orange punch and the beach breaker for a good near fall. Orlo caught another orange punch attempt and hit a one power bomb and ended up winning, uh, winning the match. Now, what I thought was very cool about this match, right, was first of all, I didn't know who was going to win. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, it was hard. It was hard for me to believe that they were going to let Orlo, like his first title defense, the very next week, lose the title. However, uh, I really didn't know the way things started off. So that that was kind of exciting. And then they had a very like they 
these guys hit every move. And it was so cool because at the end of the match, uh, Orlo, uh, he actually stopped the best friends from coming in. I think they thought he was going to do a powerbomb symphony on Cassidy. And he actually, you know, he, um, he did the, uh, what do you call it? Biden did it today to uh, the dictator over in Saudi Arabia. What, what, what is, what do you call it? the, the uh, knuckle punch or whatever? Yeah, fist bump. Yeah, fist bump. So, yeah, so uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, and it was a good match, too. All right, so Chris Jericho promo, right? This was great. This this was, I mean, this was fantastic. And I know that we're getting a little bit lengthy on this episode, but there's so much going on. Uh, we'll talk about this real quick. This was great. So Chris came out alone. He didn't have the, uh, uh, the uh, society with him. Uh, he's, he said he stands in front of the crowd tonight as a living legend <laughs> and as Eddie Kingston's superior. So Jericho, then he, then he brings up, uh, Kingston's, uh, friendships and how association associating with Kingston, uh, always seems to end in disaster, especially with Ruby Soho last week. <laughs> as for the barbed wire match, well, Kingston, uh, may be marked, may be a mark for Onita and Sabu. Wait a minute. Yeah, Onita, Sabu, and Funk. But Jericho was the one who won the first ever Canadian barbed wire match at 22 years old. Jericho thinks people underestimate him because of his massive accomplishments and, and his... <laughs> And his movie star, good looks. Next week, Jericho says, you won't be able to underestimate Chris Jericho because you'll be facing the pain maker. Jericho said this would be the final fight. And it's about time. It's went on a little bit longer than what it should. Uh, but they really got Kingston over during this feud. Uh, I can say that much. He's over, right? I mean, people love him. Uh, but they still love Jericho. Jericho can spit on him. They still love him. They still sing his uh, music. Anyways, uh, this will be the final fight between Jericho and Kingston Saga. And when it's over, Kingston will crawl back into his hole of addiction Wow, and depression. He will never be at Jericho's level, ever. The only thing that will wash away Jericho's sins is a massive wave of blood. You're not a liar, Jericho said. You're a loser. Wow, that's something else right there. Uh, then they had a, uh, on there, after Jericho's promo, then there was a the AEW, inter, inter, why are they defending this bill? Uh, interim AEW World Championship Eliminator, uh, John Moxley, who I didn't know for sure John was going to win this match because this match could have went either way for a long time, but he did defeat uh, Kanosuka Takahasit. Uh, and then you had uh, Luchador's uh, Luchasaurus, like I mentioned. He defeated um, uh, Garrison. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he he beat them. He beat him so easy. Uh, it, it was a, I don't know. A anyways, it was a squash match. Uh, then uh, Claudio he defeated Jake Hager. Um, Adam Cole, AEW Adam Cole. Uh, he has opted against having surgery for his torn, torn 
Librium, Labrum, uh, Co has been out of action since AW uh, New Japan uh, Forbidden Door pay per view and will not be having surgery. Uh, Co has been out of action uh, with a concussion, but had also been working through a uh, shoulder injury, according to a report from Fightful. He has been dealing with the torn uh, labrum since his title uh, program with Hangman Page back in March and April. Dave Metzer reported in the Wrestling Observer newsletter that Cole is doing therapy for the injury. His time frame for return is more based on the concussion he suffered at Forbidden Door. However, uh, Cole is opting to not have surgery on his torn labrum. He's doing ther- uh, therapy for it. Uh, the time frame. Uh, why did I'm sorry? I don't know. Uh, we were told it, he is faring better in that regard, according to the concussion. Huh. Follow double, following double or nothing in May, AEW announced that Cole was injured and removed him from a 10-man tag team scheduled uh, for that week. Dynamite. He wouldn't wrestle again until uh, Forbidden Door, uh, where he was received the concussion. So. Uh, yeah, he's been he's been uh he's had some he's had some problems out of that uh out of that shoulder definitely uh, it's kept him out of action. Um, so New Japan Wrestling not a whole lot going on there. They did make an announcement Wednesday night that FTRs uh, Dax uh, Hardwood and Cash Wheeler will team with uh, Alex Zane against uh, TG, TJP and Aussie Opens uh, Kyle Fletcher. And Mark Davis of, of United Empire in a trios bout at Music City Mayhem on a Saturday, July 30th. Now they are uh, FTR is the uh, New Japan IWGP uh, Heavyweight Champion uh, champions. They won it last month at the Forbidden Door. Uh, it was announced yesterday that Hardwood uh, is actually going to make a uh, New Japan Wrestling Strong Singles debut at the High Alert taping in Charlotte, North Carolina on uh, July 24th against uh, Rocky Romero. Yeah, so the uh, NJ, uh, the New Japan Music City Mayhem, Saturday, July 30th, 3 p.m. Eastern uh, on uh, Fayette TV pay-per-view. No DQ match. John Moxley versus L. Uh, L. Desperado. Hmm. Uh, New Japan Strong Open Weight Championship match: Fred Rosser versus uh, Big Demo. Uh, Davy Richards versus Clark Connors. Hiro Takamishi versus Blake Christian. Uh, Kusada versus Alex Shelley. And FTR, as I mentioned, uh, and a Shada um, Umino Fred uh, and Yuna, I don't know, man, uh, versus uh, versus Narita and Kevin Knight and the uh, DKC. Yeah, uh, Impact Wrestling, another one that's that's not 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 a whole lot going on. Uh, you had Josh uh, Alexander teaming with the Motor City Machine Guns, uh, and they uh, they defeated the uh, Violent by Design, Eric Young's team. 
I thought that something was going to happen there. They were going to either turn on Eric Young or uh, or he was going to turn on them or something, but it didn't. Uh, after the match, though, uh, after this match, uh, Chris Saban, he presented Alexander with the Impact World uh, Championship, showing an interest, which was pretty cool, uh, in a title in the title, as did Shelley. He did it, he did the same thing, uh, kind of like if it was a triple threat match, was to happen between Alexander and the Motor City Machine Guns for the Impact World Title. Guess what? I'd buy that pay per view. That would be a heck of a match. But you see here, uh, yeah, they both show interest right in the title. And uh, well, let's move on. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. So then you got Stephen uh, McLean. Uh, he defeated uh, James Storms. Uh, Chelsea Green defeated Mickey James. Uh, Masha Slamavovic uh, defeated Tamila Dashwood. Uh, Honor No More, Eddie Edwards and Kenny King. Matt Tavern and Mike uh, Bennett uh, with Maria defeated the Bullet Clubs, uh, Ace Austins. Chris Bay and the Good Brothers in an eight-man tag match. Now next week, right? Uh, next week you've got Mike Bailey versus Deaner for the X uh, Division title. Uh, you have Chelsea Green and Deanna Perez versus Knockouts World Champions uh, Jordan Grace and Mia Yim. And then you have Alex Shelley versus Chris Saban in a number one's contenders match with the winner facing uh, Josh Alexander at Emergence, right? So now you have the Motor City Machine Guns. They're going to fight each other for a number one contenders match, right? And then just a few days later, they're going to tag team at the uh, uh, Sam Cass, Ric Flair's last match deal. Yeah, uh, I don't know... Uh, I don't know really. Uh, I don't. I don't understand. But here's the thing, folks: we have not got to the reports and rumors around the water cooler. <laughs> That's a new segment here, and we haven't got to it yet. So what I'm going to do is I will release an additional episode. Oh, I see you guys laughing. Now you play the original. <sighs> Anyways, uh, I will make another episode uh, and have it released by Saturday, by tomorrow, of <laughs> reports and rumors around the water cooler. Because it's jam-packed as well. All right, but that is all the time that we do have for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, the Kentucky Guy. Hey, have a wonderful day. Thank you guys so much. We're out of time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And be looking for the next episode of Reports and Rumors Around the Water Cooler.